Welcome to episode three of Sport Oregon Voices. This podcast gives you an insider's look at upcoming events and shares the unique stories that prove there's no better place in the world for sports than here in Oregon. This week is all about the Oregon State of Sport Report, a new economic study that highlights Oregon's competitive advantage and the economic power that the athletic, outdoor, team, and recreation ecosystem generates for the state. You can check out the full report at OregonStateOfSport.com. Today, we're joined by Sport Oregon CEO Jim Etzel, Oregon Business and Industry President and CEO Angela Wilhelms, and Greater Portland Inc. President and CEO Monique Claiborne. If you want sport at the highest level, we've got you. Welcome to Episode 3 of Sport Oregon Voices. Welcome to Episode 3 of Sport Oregon Voices Podcast. I'm Jim Etzel, CEO of Sport Oregon. Uh, today, excited to talk about Oregon, the state of sport. It's an economic impact of the athletic team, outdoor and recreation industries. Uh, and I'm joined today by Monique Claiborne from Greater Portland, Inc. and Angela Wilhelms from the Oregon Business Council. We'll start with you. You want to just introduce yourself and the role of your organization in our uh, state? Yeah, sure. So um, Oregon Business and Industry is the state's largest general business advocacy organization. So we represent all industries, all sectors, every county, um, all parts of the state, primarily in Salem, uh, whether that's through the legislature, the executive branch, or whatnot, um, just advocating on behalf of a robust, healthy, thriving economy in Oregon as, as generated through a healthy private sector. Great. Monique? I'm the president and CEO of Greater Portland Inc. and we're responsible for one business attraction and then to coordinating the regional strategy. And so we represent the city of Portland, five counties in Oregon, and then two counties in Southwest Washington. This report actually started in this room. Uh, I wanna say it was back in uh, February, uh, myself and Nathan Naiman, our external affairs, uh, we were meeting with Andrew Hone and uh, and John Isaac and from Portland Business Alliance and a lot of different topics. And we, we started talking about things that we think that we needed to collectively elevate. And one was the industry and uh, the fact that we're the de facto global leader in apparel and footwear. Uh, and we continue to grow this at an incredible rate, but it didn't seem like it was being celebrated. And then, you know, we, we uh, shared a poster that, uh, that, uh, Prosper Portland did back in 2011. It was kind of like a, this, uh, you know, uh, galactical universe of companies and around three major planets being Nike and Columbia Sportswear and Adidas and almost 800 companies in this uh, planetary system, if you want to call it that. And it was, you know, Andrew, I remember, and John, their reaction was like, whoa. And it really started to wrap their head around what Nathan and I were talking about. So. Yeah, from that, you know, uh, they went and said, hey, we want to run with this. And so, uh, you know, it was great that they brought together, uh, you know, the sponsors and the partners and putting together a report, you know, led by U.S. Bank, one of PBA's strong members, but also like the Ben Chamber, the Eugene Chamber, you know, Oregon Business Council, Greater Portland Inc., Orla, the Oregon Restaurant Lodging Association, Port of Portland. Uh, obviously Sport Oregon, Travel Portland, uh, Washington County Chamber, which is home to a lot of these companies, and uh, the Oregon Business and Industry. Um, and, you know, of course, Portland Business Alliance. So 
you know, this all came together, uh, a lot of work in a compressed amount of time this spring, and then we rolled it out at the annual meeting. Uh, we should call it the uh, bake because we all got baked outside. It's close to 100 degrees, and, and I think we were, the three of us might have been the most popular people because we were supposed to do a little panel discussion, and then uh, we waved it off in the interest of uh, refreshments and shade for everybody. So I think we're still uh, in good graces with everybody there. But some of the key takeaways, you know, Oregon is home to 51,000 jobs and 3,100 businesses in the athletic outdoor team and recreation ecosystem, which was, you know, in the study area. And that study area was Portland, Bend, and Eugene. We didn't have the capacity to get bigger than that, but hopefully we can and, and, and do the whole state. Uh, for every one job in the ecosystem, an additional 1.55 jobs are created in the economy, supporting a total of 130,000 jobs, or 9%. Of jobs in the greater Portland area. Um, the ecosystem supports 29 billion per year in economic output, including both direct and spin-off economic impacts. Um, you know, Angela, what are your takeaways on these, uh, or your thoughts on these three takeaways? Yeah, well, in some ways they're extraordinary, and in some ways they're not at all surprising. You said it earlier, you know, we've all known for a while that Oregon is the de facto global center of this ecosystem, um, not just because of the companies that are here, the companies that are, that are starting here and incubating here, but just because of the lifestyle that people here choose to live, um, what we sort of take for granted sometimes in our natural environment. So in that sense, I think the report really validated what we all knew and, and quantified it a little bit, which is great. And you know, as a statewide business organization, uh, we're just really proud of what the state is producing and doing um, economically in this ecosystem. And so to the numbers in particular, I mean, you, you also touched on this, this is just a portion of the state. I mean, it's Portland, so the Population Center, Eugene and Bend, but it, we didn't even get into the Rogue Valley, the coasts, the Columbia Gorge, Eastern Oregon. And so this, this is understating Oregon's overall value and impact in this. Um, and so, so what we hope is that policymakers and others will see these figures, remember that you know, talking about business in the yeah. private sector is, is good and it, it's, it's important and necessary for us as a society. And so this is something to invest in, in the policy space. And we, we can talk a little bit more about that. But. Yeah, I mean, uh, the excitement that was generated by the report was, was incredible. Yeah. Um, and the acknowledgement and understanding of just the enormity of this, of this ecosystem. But also those other parts of the state, you know, Bandon Dunes, home to the best resort, what, how that's changed the Southern yeah. Oregon coast. Hood River with all the outdoor and recreation, but also the products that are yeah. coming out of there, those companies there. I mean, we can go on and on, but I think we have a lot of work left to do to kind of complete the, the story here. Um, you know, what are some of the distinguishing characteristics of the industry in Oregon in your mind? I think one of the things that um, for us is really interesting and, and I think unique in Oregon is the intersectionality of this. So you've got um, there's a company in Oregon called Looped Works that upcycles plastic materials. They were one of the original upcyclers. But they partner with um, you know companies like Alaska Airlines who sponsor the timbers. And I'm thinking of them just because you know we're right yeah. across from um, the, the timber some field. And and 
there's these points of connectivity all the way downstream in the cycle of whether it's manufacturing boats or making you know beer or um, actually the hospitality and tourism industry and so the the, the many many like countless threads that are woven together in this ecosystem here in Oregon I think is really unique and it's all again it's part of how we value our lifestyle and the quality of life it's the the, the fact that we attract people who are really into this innovative um, recreation outdoor space it, it's it's this marriage also between the private sector and our universities for example there's some incredible research happening around human health and performance and how that weaves into entertainment through um, you know, sports teams that are you can actually go buy a ticket and watch, how that ties into then the apparel and equipment industry. I think that's one of the things that makes this place so unique and, and what distinguishes us from other places that maybe have a sporting franchise or a few or a, a manufacturer or two. We've got, we've got all of that woven together in this really intricate, um, almost impossible to quantify way. Yeah. Monique, you know, uh, in order to stay on top, we have to invest in this ecosystem. You know, from your perspective, what does that look like? It looks like um, just a, a full-blown, full-court press, right, to keep industry, to keep industry here. And so that's incentives how are we leveraging and expanding the existing incentives here so jobs can expand within the region um, it's invest our universities right so we have U of O already has a sports product design program but what are our universities doing to um, to expand talent to grow talent into the industry but then um, use R&D right uh, for the industry is important um, business regulation is important um, and the politics and policies that surround that. Um, we want this to be a friendly climate for businesses that are here and for those that are interested into the region, I think is important. Um, to a certain degree, the real estate community is important mm -hmm. as well and the offerings, um, amenities and suites that are available given the talent that's attractive to this, to this field. I think it's important. Um, and so when all of those folks come together in a wheel um, to double down, that's how we invest in, in the entire ecosystem. I think that's great because you, you helped us understand like, you know, how the public and the private sector, you know, and leadership in those areas can collaborate to create more opportunities here. Of the things that you touched on there, what do you think is the, maybe the most important point of emphasis that that leadership needs to focus on that you just mentioned uh, for us to really kind of um, elevate and amplify this opportunity? I think it would be um, what you just said, amplifying it, right? So when we look at, and, and I'm, I'm putting on my GPI hat, yeah. right? Like, so we want to expand businesses that are here. We want to attract businesses that are here. And we know we're competing with other regions, right? And so it's important for us to amplify our voices mm -hmm. because we know other regions are competing for those same jobs, mm -hmm. right? And so I think it's important for both the public and the private sector, and to a lesser degree, even the philanthropic sector mm -hmm. um, to promote this region um, and in all those areas I just discussed, right? To say, hey, we are, we are open for business. You will succeed here, you'll do well here. And really, you'll, you'll 
you'll win a championship, right? Yeah. So these companies have an opportunity. Um, they're free agents, right? And they can go anywhere they want. And so it's important for us to say, hey, you'll you'll get a um, you'll be a champion here in Portland. Yeah. Um, the next spot I want to go to, I got a, it's kind of a two-parter, but I'll, I'm going to start with you, Angela. You know, sports thriving throughout the state. As you know, example, we just hosted the World Championships. We hosted the World in Eugene, Oregon, something that has been a vision for over a decade and was secured back in 2015 and got postponed one year because of COVID and everything. But, you know, talk about the unique environment that sports and innovation growth uh, in the triangle of Portland, Bend, and, and Eugene. Um, and, you know, how, you know, that's led us to where we are today. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to articulate um, because it really is just so embedded in who we are um, mm -hmm. as a people, whether, you know, whether you're somebody who likes to um, participate in or be a fan of the, the more traditional sort of stadium type sports, mm -hmm. arena sports, um, or whether you're an outdoorsman and, you know, hunter, fisherman, and you know, or both, you know, they're not mutually exclusive yeah. here. I mean, that's like, it's just, there are, there are very few people I come across um, and maybe they're just afraid to speak up because it's so strong otherwise, but who aren't enamored with this sort of outdoor or sport or athletic or human personal well-being recreation piece. It's just a, a, a big part of who we are. So when you think about that triangle, again, the, the points of connectivity um, are so important and the, the championships is the world championships is a great demonstration of what can happen when the state comes together because that took I and mean, that didn't happen by, by accident that took a lot of foresight it took a lot of hard work it took legislative action and support in the governor's office um, it took uh, you know local organizing committees um, countless numbers of volunteers who just gave their time to, to help make that go off without a hitch and it's just it's sort of sort of in the culture and in the the vibe here and i i think that's part of you know when, when he talks about making sure we're um, maintaining oregon as a place where those companies can come and grow and thrive and sustain and not choose to go elsewhere it's it's thinking about how we can leverage that culture and what's embedded here and and how those folks who are maybe just consider themselves consumers and fans how, how can we help them be part of the conversation about the policy or the investments or the things the state needs to do to, to, to sustain and grow that ecosystem? No, one of the things that I really was excited about, you know, the point of view you both brought to the world's, you know, obviously it was an event that largest non-Olympic uh, track and field event, uh, be the third largest sporting event in the world, of audience, global audience of over a billion viewers over the 10 days. Um, you know, only 20 million of those in the U.S., right. so really a huge global opportunity. One that Travel Oregon really leaned into from a tourism and awareness of Oregon come, come visit us type thing. But you guys really looked at it from a business lens. And, you know, we have two, one, over 200 com countries here. Uh, uh, a huge global audience, not just on television, but in person. And, um, you know, Monique, you, you did something I think was really unique about, you know, identifying prospects in this ecosystem that aren't part of it yet but are in the industry and targeted them to bring them to Portland and to Eugene during that time I mean talk a little bit about uh, the inspiration behind that obviously obviously it's what you guys do day to day but like what was it that 
click to get all those those four or five companies here for that same week? Yeah, so we brought four companies in, um, a UK-based company, a Texas company, a Canadian, and a Chinese company. Um, and it was the world. Like you said, yeah. this was a unique opportunity for the state. And so apparel and outdoor is one of the sectors that we um, we work with and to attract and expand you know, businesses within that, within that sector. And to me, it was just a no-brainer, right? Yeah. If we want to bring in apparel and outdoor companies, what better way to showcase our region than having them come for a sporting event and sell in our region without a formal presentation, right? And so over the course of four days, we were able to sell the region by letting them see the region and seeing everything that's happening here. Um, and so how do we get to the companies? We use our own data intelligence that we have access to. We talk to people in the industry, who are those companies that have to be here? Have to be here? Um, and then we work relationships and introductions and emails and that's how we settled on those companies and what was great is we, you know we talk about just regional coordination and collaboration um, the companies that came here touched so many different organizations right we were mm -hmm. right here in this room and yep. they were talking with sport Oregon and members of your organization and really having a candid conversation um, as to the opportunities and challenges that are here um, we talked to the Blazers, we talked to the Timbers and the Thorns about um, the culture and the fan experience here and what that means to be a part of the culture if you were to come here. Um, traveled Oregon, um, traveled Portland, right? There were just so many organizations that were part of the success um, of our tour that we had, but they are part of the success of this ecosystem here. Yeah, and talk a little bit, you, you touched on some of the partners as you organized that trip. I mean, it was really, it was, you know, a big group of the ecosystem coming together, kind of putting competitive things down, plus the ecosystem of business in the state, whether it's Angela's organization or it's the Port of Portland or, you know, Travel Portland, uh, you know, all those people, Delta Airlines leaned in. I mean, it was really kind of, it was a huge group effort to pull all the resources together to make this happen and make it desirable too. Yeah, um, and they enjoyed it, right? Yeah. And so it was the first time that GPI had what we call a FAM tour, a familiarization tour via direct outreach. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, again, it was just, it was a no-brainer to do it. And I think it's something critical that we have to do yeah. every time we have the opportunity here. And, you know, obviously Nike and Columbia and Adidas and all that, but uh, some of the key voices that they heard were some of the more recent uh, companies to arrive in the Portland area and, and you know, take root, put, put down a foundation here, whether it was as a headquarters for North America or global, but or, or as, you know, a key business unit, uh, especially around design and sourcing and so forth. So talk to us a little bit about, like, the the companies that sat in this room at the table and why it was so important for them because it's one thing to talk to the the you know the foundational kingpins if you want of the industry but that have been here 30 40 50 60 in case of columbia sportswear since the 30s mm -hmm. but what about that voice of the company that just came in the last handful of years and is finding success 
Yeah, so we heard from Lululemon, we heard from Arcteryx, um, and we heard from On, and all three of those companies are new to the region. Mm -hmm. I would say less than two years, mm -hmm. less than three years for sure for, for all of them. Um, and so to hear from them is much more relatable, right, than to hear from the larger anchor companies that are here. Um, and I'll say in those three companies, they want to be a part of attracting more companies here because they understand that they too would become a beneficiary of the ecosystem expanding, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, it's great again that you have more of a collaborative spirit than this competitive spirit that you do see in a lot of industry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's partially the culture of Portland as well. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. yeah. So you talked about the World Championships. I mean, a big factor in, in that coming to Oregon and being able to be here was the, the venue, the fact that mm -hmm. we had a facility that, that met the world standards and, and could, could host an event that large. And so when you think about venues and major events, can you talk a little bit about, um, from Sport Oregon standpoint, how franchise teams play into this, how the, the major university athletic programs play into the ecosystem? I, I, I mean, that's something that we, we have less, we have fan experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, but it, I'd love to hear your it's, take it, on that. It's, I think it's, um, it's not obvious on the surface why it's important to have a healthy franchise and university sports system to this ecosystem. But if you think about it from a quality of life and social impact standpoint, all those things, um, you know, I, there's an example of uh, FedEx when they're evaluating, you know, Memphis, Tennessee and putting their headquarters down in there and being more than just a fly in distribution deal. And, uh, you know, a key tipping point for them in, in committing was the fact that the Memphis Grizzlies came in the market in the NBA because to attract, you know, leadership talent and uh, strong talent in every aspect of the organization, what's in the community? What's there to do? And like for us, I mean, we, we sit here, we're, we're, the, we're the epicenter of the sports product industry. If we didn't have teams, I'm not sure, um, in universities, I'm not sure the uh, the industry would have taken root here to the extent that it has. I mean, would Nike, as they're trying to recruit global talent, Columbia, Adidas, on and on and on. This, like, if we didn't have kind of what they, one of the key, you know, pillars of their existence, right. competition in a, in a world-class manner, it, it would be, it'd be tough to grow those companies uh, from uh, it, what's the viability as, as a community to want to, locate here to work for that company and grow your family here and not have those things and so you know we see that ecosystem of healthy franchises whether it's nba the blazers whether it's mls and the timbers and national women's soccer league with the thorns or our recruitment for a WNBA team in our future major league baseball in our future all those things start to kind of close the circle of 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 what it, you know, a, a healthy community to live and grow your company in for us. Same thing with the universities. We gotta have quality education, but also the fact that we have two Pac-12 universities in our state um, and the proximity to Portland uh, and their connections to the ecosystem, not just from an educational model, but also from, you know, performance on the on the court or the field. I mean, all these schools in the state, the division one schools are in some ways, they're all affiliated with the brands in some way and, and, and they're kind of, backyard laboratories for product and testing as well. Uh, so 
you know, we see that as, as really critical uh, and the recognition of that and just what each one of those institutions, teams, franchises, universities does from an economic impact around sport. I mean, think of downtown Portland without Providence Park in those 40 nights and what the restaurant and community and hotels and same thing with the Moda Center and the Rose Quarter. If that's not there, I mean, uh, they are generators of significant economic uh, impact. I mean, we talked about it, um, some, some interesting numbers in the report um, that, uh, you know, just the Rose Quarter, um, 3,000 direct or indirect jobs connected to it, uh, 285 million in direct, indirect, induced economic output, 19 million in taxes generated from the Blazers and the Rose Quarter, you know, and then, you know, it just goes on and on. And then the Timbers is the same way, uh, you know, economic impact of over 30 million, you know, 20,000 fans coming to over 50 events in the stadium. Um, you know, over 1 million guests annually. Take 1 million people out of downtown Portland on those evenings and what's the vibrancy of our city look like, you know? So, and then you take football weekends in Corvallis or Eugene, you take those six or seven home date weekends out of those communities. And it's, it's the difference between losing money or making money for a lot of the hospitality industry on an annual basis. So those things I think are really important to, to look at. And what do you, what's your guys' views on it? Yeah. I love, I love the way you described it. Starting, I mean, we, we talk about workforce issues on a daily basis with our member companies because that is consistently the single greatest challenge they face right now. And it's a good, it's a really good point. The role that um, what we offer as a region um, and what this ecosystem supports—that it really is a workforce um, benefit. And um, now I'm sitting here thinking how bad our struggles could be if we didn't have that to offer. So I'm, I'm glad that we do. I, I think it's great. And I think when you were talking about the Rose Quarter numbers too, I mean, it's not just about the sports. That's it's obviously what we're, yeah, exactly. Circuses um, and family shows. All those other policy. things. And um, so again, it's, you have something that's anchored with a sport and a team and a franchise, but it's providing so much more than that um, to the community. And we, I think we... Um, probably take that for granted. And so that's part of what I love about yeah, this we, report. We don't have an NBA team. We don't have an arena to host all those cultural events, family events, et cetera. Same thing, you know, across the street. So, yeah. and then you go to, you know, the universities, uh, oh, there's a $190 million expansion of research stadium going on right now that, you know, it's going to be an unreal facility uh, and all the other facilities at OSU and the U of O that, you know, the new Hayward field is, best in class for I think the next three or four decades I'm I not guess, sure yeah. anybody's going to match it globally yeah. uh, I mean the wow factor of our guests that came in with you I mean they're just blown away yeah. you know you're kind of used to it because you're around when it got designed <laughs> and constructed but it's like you still got to pinch yourself oh, that it's an asset I'm in there many yeah. many days you're every official year. Yeah. track and field and, events but I, I pinch myself every time yeah. I mean it's and um it, it, yeah the the downstream economic impact of those is great so thank you for indulging me yeah well you know there's an area that um you know that also became more clear than worlds when uh, university of oregon hosts that sport and wellness summit and just tying the science and the medicine and research and all this together around this product and how that all feeds off each other and gives the other reason for investment and, and growth which again, you know, from a research standpoint, the type of talent 
that's the other thing we talk about this sector is just like the quality of the jobs and the pay. The only thing that we, you know, from you asked about Sport Oregon uh, and, you know, from the team and, and all that and the facilities, you know, we're not, we don't have NFL football, so we're not going to have a dome stadium. So we're never going to host a, you know, a Super Bowl or a men's basketball Final Four, but gosh darn it, we're going after a women's Final Four pretty hard because we got a great arena and a great selling point with the convention center yeah. and all the proximity in our city. But, you know, where, I, where we see, our board sees the gap is here we are, the leaders globally in, in sports product, um, and we're producing what the world plays in and what the world wears just from a fashion standpoint, not just play. Um, and we have these, you know, God blessed us with all these unbelievable natural playgrounds from the beaches and the mountains and the rivers and everything, the deserts. And so we just have this, you know, unbelievable list of options within an hour, two hours, three hours of our homes. And that's all awesome. What we don't have is uh, quality recreation facilities for our communities. Mm. Um, and it's a huge void, and not just from a sports tourism standpoint when we're trying to recruit youth or adult tournaments here. When I, there's two levels of facilities. One is um, what we call massified sports complexes. So think of rectangle fields or diamond fields of more than 10 or 12 on one site. And then for an indoor facility, the ability to put, you know, uh, 16 to 18 basketball courts or just 10 or 12 basketball courts under one roof, or that translates into 20 to 24 volleyball courts. Um, it just doesn't exist. And so our community misses out on the economic drive that could come on weekends from regional and national tournaments that, you know, organizations mm -hmm. like ourselves recruit. And we, we go out and win our fair share, but we miss on some really big ones because it just doesn't exist here. But then what does it do for our community in between during the week? And also on those weekends, when those regional tournaments, our community members could stay in Portland instead of having to drive to Spokane or Boise or get on an airplane and go somewhere else in the country. Those things could happen here. We could retain those dollars here. But really from a community impact standpoint and being able to leverage into underserved communities, you know, a dream of mine here is over the next 10 years is to build four or five facilities that are each a little bit different throughout the state that could really help our communities in a lot of ways, not just economically, but just quality of life and, and give our, our, our community members a place to play and to come and gather because that's the other thing is, I think sports kind of unifies us. We all kind of put down our differences and, and get out there and cheer on and compete and all that. Yeah. But that's, that's, a big, that's a big lift. We got to figure it out because if you look at a map of the US, um, the Pacific Northwest is the biggest cold spot in yeah, America of for those facilities from Vancouver, BC, all the way down to Sacramento. The biggest void in massified recreational complexes is the Pacific Northwest in Northern California. And the rest of the country is just so far ahead of us yeah. on that. So that's one thing I'd like to kind of bring up, <laughs> at least to a more competitive standpoint, selfishly. Yeah. Why do you think that is? that we haven't made the investment you know today. i don't want to point fingers i don't want to get political but i mean it's just like look how education's kind of struggled you know our funding we have to look we have to look as communities i mean especially you know our urban centers portland being the prime example but like look at portland public schools as compared to all the surrounding suburban communities both the quality of facilities and we're doing some things to change that with some of the renovations and these levies 
but you know we're way behind uh, and it's not always about new you know I think we can reimagine what we have like PIR you know um, uh, where we have one of the top 10 road race courses in America for auto support but um, it was underutilized but now you know five years ago we got IndyCar back now we got NASCAR this year and now all of a sudden between those two events we got 30 to 40 million of economic impact for a community coming out of those weekends. How do we reimagine Delta Park? How do we reimagine parks and neighborhoods to kind of stitch together, you know, uh, a mass by complex by without going, because everybody knows land's an issue too. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest issue with land, mm -hmm. yeah, the availability and cost of it. You know, there's a few more takeaways that I think are interesting um, from the report. By the way, you know, you can find this report online on, on the Sport Oregon website or any of our websites, but um, the um, it's 52 pages, but it's pretty easy to read, you know. Uh, but it's super There's important. There's an executive yeah, just summary. Just look at pictures, yeah. executive summary. Thank God for executive summaries. Um, but, uh, you know, Oregon's athletic outdoor team and recreation ecosystem supports entrepreneurs and small businesses. And I think this is one of the really cool things here. 83% of related businesses in the greater Portland area to the ecosystem have less than 20 employees. I mean, that that's amazing. When we talk about small business and how important that is, that, that's huge. Um, greater Portland out, area outpaces all other West Coast cities. You know, Seattle, Denver, Salt Lake come to mind as competitive in this area. And the overall number of jobs, job growth, diversity of roles, and many which are much more high paying in our, in our community than in those. Um, the most valued asset in Oregon's athletic outdoor team and recreation industry is unparalleled, unparalleled industry trained talent. And you know, I want you both to talk about that, that ability to import top talent, recruit local talent thanks to the healthy ecosystem and cultivate a strong pipeline of talent for the future uh, through our uh, established programs and education. Um, Monique, let's start with you. What's your what's your thoughts on these three takeaways? I wasn't surprised by the um, the number, the figures related to small and medium enterprises. That's consistent with the U.S. Mm -hmm. Right when you look at um, where people are employed, small and medium enterprises employ the bulk of Americans. Right, and so it's consistent with saying, okay, that's our meat and potatoes here. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so uh, wasn't surprised by that. I think what was interesting that I found with the comparison with Seattle, with Denver and with Salt Lake City, we are a smaller market compared to Seattle and Denver, yet our concentration in every area was higher than the two of areas. Yeah. It was higher than Salt Lake City, but I mean, we are, we are a larger market. And so um, I think there's something to be said about the robustness of the industry mm -hmm here compared to um, to apparel outdoor markets that we compete with um, for projects. We, I can tell you this, we work with a company and they're a, um, a global or a foreign company and they have a small presence in Denver and they're considering Portland. And we said, like, why are you in Denver? And someone just kind of did this Google search of, well, it's out, outdoor companies are there. And they were on the list of top five places to live in the US. And that was kind of what went into why a decision was made. And so I think it's important if we can take this data and we can educate people mm -hmm. um, as to how you make your decisions, I think that means a lot. Because naturally Denver and Seattle, Salt Lake City um, are gonna come up, right? When companies are considering where they're going. But if we can say, 
here's some comparison analysis, mm -hmm. um, I, th I think it speaks volumes. Talk a little bit about the talent pipeline. That's a huge differentiator, but also professional services and those aspects that support the ecosystem. Yeah, it's so again, when a company's considering um, expansion within, within this ecosystem, at some point, they're gonna have to find their way to Portland. So you can be in New York, you can be in LA, you can be in Denver, but the ecosystem, the entire ecosystem is here. And if you're in any one of those three places, you're still gonna have to contract, you're still gonna have to recruit, you're gonna have to um, lay some type of groundwork in Portland in some, in some service line of your business, right? Um, and so that's the great thing, again, about this report and then just educating businesses that, or you can just come here and this is your one-stop shop, yeah. right? Um, because of the talent, because of the, um, the testing, because of the recreation, um, because of the outdoor, um, because of the services and the, the lawyers and the design, you can, you can get it here. Angela, any thoughts on that? I, I, and I agree, the idea that, that if you, if you want to study, work, be an entrepreneur, or you know, participate in, in this ecosystem, at some point you got to come through Portland. And mm -hmm. so let's just let's make it attractive to them to not just come through, but to actually be here and be a part of it on the ground. And I think for us too, you know, um, we're really interested in what these sector studies can tell us about our strengths. Um, you know, we did one similar uh, in manufacturing to talk about that ecosystem and the economic impact there. But at the end of the day, there's still there's still companies and there's still organizations that need a place to thrive. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when we talk to small ski manufacturers or shoe um, startups, you know, they're having the same issues that, that a lot of businesses are having around available land or commercial space, light industrial space, um, you know, education, um, tax treatment and all of those. So I think um, remembering that at the end of the day, um, we can be the, the, the place, the best place, um, the obvious place, but we still have to work at it a little. We can't take it for granted. We can't rest on what we've got and rest on our laurels and just assume people are gonna come. We still have to take the proactive measures Monique was talking about earlier to invest in the, the economic part of the ecosystem so that it's viable for people. Um, and, and that's what we're excited about here too is there's so much upside potential. Um, and so the return on policy investments can be, can be huge um, and beneficial. And then it feeds into the more private sector activity yeah. we can generate, it then it creates um, more tax revenue into the system. It creates more opportunity for philanthropy. Um, it creates more individual prosperity, which then goes to feeding investments in community spaces, um, education infrastructure. So it it's this self-fulfilling kind of prophecy, if you will. And um, so you know, we're excited about the opportunity because I agree the story it tells is great. Now we gotta not we gotta not be so Oregonian about yeah. it. We gotta we gotta actually get out there and brag a little bit. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> we gotta plant the flag. Yeah. We gotta mm -hmm. plant the flag and not get on be, top not of be afraid mountain. to Scream. do it. Yeah. 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 So. I mean, you talked about you know taxes nine hundred and seventy six yeah. million. I mean, that's a big number. Yeah. You know, twenty nine billion of you know direct indirect annual impact. Um, you know, we talked about 
over and over through the whole study, you know, we talked to all the groups. The one thing that always screamed out was we have world-class talent. We have talent. We have talent, you know. Um, a, what do we have to do to keep that talent here? And what do we have to do? How do we have to think mindset-wise, both from the industry standpoint, but also from a political leadership standpoint of getting even more talent here and keeping it here? I think a piece of it, um, especially in the the day and age we're in with uh, remote work, hybrid work options becoming so popular and sort of the live anywhere, work anywhere mm-hmm. um, piece. I think that's where it's really important for our elect leaders, community leaders um, to remember that, that there's the economic health and the quality of life. You have to have both. Um, somebody's got to want to work here and want to live here. Um, mm-hmm. It's not enough that they just want to live here and they'll find a job or they just want to work here and so they'll come and live here. Those two aren't necessarily hitched anymore. So we got to make it an attractive place to work and do business and an attractive place to live. Um, But I think uh, I'm really inspired by some of the conversations we're having with companies about um, partnerships with K-12 education, partnerships with community colleges, the work um, that the universities are doing, uh, you know, planting the flag, the U of O finally kind of did that and said, what everyone sort of assumed and known for a long time. If you want to study anything related to sports, law, product design, management, science, whatever, this is where you come. And so um, part, you know, linking those two together. And I think the talent, I think talent also begets talent. Um, People want to work Mm -hmm. with um, like-minded, creative, entrepreneurial individuals. And um, part of our mission is to help find ways for those folks to connect to one another. And so we're going to, we're going to, you know, hopefully take some of what's in this report and figure out how to do that, do that better ourselves. I think it's exciting. Yeah, I, we're taking some things from the report and looking at how we can um, do our jobs better in retaining the talent that we have here. You know, let's talk a little bit real quickly about, you know, large and small companies. You know, um, they both make huge contributions, you know, but how do we balance the maybe differing or competing priorities amongst the two because both are critical um, and um, you know there's a big difference you know especially when we look at the numbers there's only a handful of big ones and then there's the rest of this ecosystem that are smaller companies yeah I mean, you said it well small businesses are um, that's the meat and potatoes of economic activity and and I'll just echo I think what you said well earlier, Monique, which is it's it's really um, I, I, I can't I don't know if this is the same in other places because I haven't been in it in those places, but but there is something here that allows the big players, the medium players, and the small players to play together mm-hmm. in a way that I've got to think is a little, is unique, and they're so supportive of one another because they see the mutual success on the other side of it, and. Um, so you're right. It's not a. It's not an either or. It's not a. Let's only talk about the big guys or the, the franchises with the big names. It's. Um, it's you know the small ski manufacturer that's here because they want to be able to fly customers in from around the world, have them stop, pick up a set of test skis on their way to Mount Hood. To the Palmer Glacier. And then yeah. you know they can come back down, place their order, fly home, yeah. and get their skis a little bit later. Yeah. And the, the big companies see that and they're like, how can we help? Yeah. Um, I think that's, there's a lot of that that goes on. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, yeah 
I mean, exciting times for Oregon, yeah. for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's also a moment that we just can't rest on that, you know, this report should be, you know, a catalyst for us to lean in and leverage this leadership position. But, um, you know, Monique, I'll ask you one thing. What's the key to the future around leveraging what we know and, and leaning into this? How, how can we do this? I think um, naming it, yeah. I think matters, right? So the data we have, again, it, it validated a lot of things that we don't know, or uh, sorry, it validated a lot of things that we already know. It educates some who didn't know, but now you kind of have to, you have to name it, you have to coin it, and you have to market it. And so I think that is the next step, and I'm looking forward um, to that phase of the project. Angela? Agreed. I just. Um, we'll be hosting a webinar with legislators to, to make sure that they're aware of the impact of this report. I think naming it was key, talking about it, planting that flag. Um, you know, I hope Business Oregon and others yep. take this and really, really run with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we created something. Uh, you know, and I, again, I got to give Andrew Hone and Portland Business Alliance a big shout out for taking the lead on this, but uh, we've created something that. Uh, we can all, you know, lock arms around. Yeah. And I don't think this is, you know, politics or anything, either side of the aisle, everybody can understand what yeah. this means to our state. Because I think, you know, a lot of people knew, but they didn't really understand the full context or breadth or depth of it. And so, you know, it's, I guess it's really up to us to be those evangelists on this and keep this conversation going. And that's, that's exciting. I mean, I'm looking forward to working with both of you. It's been awesome to, Get to know each of you better through this whole process and and i love the way our organizations are you know looking to work together and and really we are not looking to we already are yeah. but uh you know it's been fun and it's been rewarding and uh exciting times monique thank you angela appreciate it uh thank you for tuning in to episode three of sport oregon voices and again if you want to find we named it oregon state of sport you can find it at sportoregon.org or greaterportlandinc.com or oregonbusinessandindustrycouncil.com. So we can we got it everywhere. So you can't no excuses for not checking it out, and uh, it's a worthy read. Thank you.